You are listening to Restart Hope with Pastor John Sicker. The world is actually pulling you away from the reality of your resurrection, pulling you away from purpose and meaning in this life, and they're dragging you away to hell, which is what this world is. Wake up from your drunken stupor as it's right to do, and do not go on sinning. And then he says, for some of you have no knowledge of God. In other words, like what Jesus says, some of you have never looked at the Son and believed. You don't have any knowledge of God. Resurrection destroys, obliterates religiosity. It destroys legalism. It finally will give you peace in you following Jesus. Because you will see that it's a not a I have to. It's not a I better do it or he's going to whoop me. It's going to be a man. One day, I'm going to spend eternity with the Savior who loves me, who gave himself for me, and I'm actually going to throw my arms around him and embrace him. I'm actually going to be able to hold his feet and kiss him. And and you know what? I want to start loving him that way now. I want to start, you know, I often tell people, it's like, I want to be so close to him that I feel his beard tickle on my chin. You know, and it's like, (laughs) you know, it's, it's great. And sometimes I just want to go away into the throne room of grace I want to get to know you better. I I want to be able to experience the nearness of you. You see, oftentimes we run from pillar to post and church to church and meetings to meetings to try to find a nearness, to to try to find like, you know, this presence of the Holy Spirit and stuff. You don't have to do that. It starts with the perspective. It starts with the perspective of, you know what? He died, he rose again, and he loves me so much that he just doesn't want you to be a spirit being floating around in a cloud. He actually will raise you up so that you can throw your arms around him like he comes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, Put your hands on my side. Feel my hands. Touch my hands. And what does Thomas do? He falls on his knees and he says, My Lord and my God. Wouldn't it be great for you to have knees to fall on and to worship him and not just be a spirit being floating around on a cloud? Wouldn't it be great for you to be able to, you know, take off your crown, off your head because you carried your cross last week's message and to be able to throw it down and says, Worthy are you. Worthy are you. And God loves you so much that he will not just leave you, your body, in a pine box for 2,000 years and rot with worms and he will raise you up. But let's get a little bit more. So your resurrection brings purpose and meaning in your relationship with Jesus. And hope of a resurrection is a very, very, very powerful thing. It also warns us, our resurrection warns us that there will be a day of reckoning, a day of judgment. There will be a day when the righteous will be raised to eternal life and the wicked, that's those who trampled on the Son of God, will be raised to judgment. But... In the book of John, chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment. Indeed, he has crossed over from death to life. You know what? This reality of a resurrection not only brings meaning to our relationship with Jesus, it also brings meaning to your freedom. It brings perspective to your freedom. You see, folks, I want you to know this. If you don't believe if you're unable to rejoice in the fact that Jesus died and rose again, you will not be able to rejoice in the freedom from sin that God has brought you out of. You will not be able to rejoice in the fact that he's covered you with his righteousness. You see, you got to rejoice knowing that he loves you so much that he says, listen, I know you put your body through turmoil and sin and wickedness and shame, but ha 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 ha, my blood is more powerful than your sin. And I will raise you up in your body, so with that body that I've raised you up, that I created you, loved you, cherished, sang over you when I was knitting in your mother's womb, you can embrace me. You can sit in fellowship with me. It brings meaning to our freedom. Jesus says, whoever hears my word, man, he's passed. He will not come from judgment. He's crossed over from death to life. He's crossed over from death to life. 
How beautiful would that be for each and every one of us to know that I have crossed over from death. Death cannot hold me down anymore because I've crossed over from death to life because I've heard his word. I believe the Jesus Christ that died and rose again. Like we saw earlier, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Do you believe in him? Yes. The fact and the hope of a resurrection is a cause to rejoice and not be afraid or shameful because you passed from death to life. Oftentimes, Satan attacks your mind. That's where the crossroads are. The crossroads are right here. The crossroads are not when you're alone with this person or when you're in that cross where you have to make a decision. The crossroads are here. The Bible says that, you know, thoughts will begin to come. And then when you act on the thoughts, it turns into action and that action is what sin is. Can we have some freedom from thoughts this morning? Okay, first of all, I want to know that thoughts is not sin. Thoughts, I'm not saying go, you know, think evil thoughts, but when Satan brings those thoughts, along with those thoughts, he brings guilt and shame, and instead of you taking control of your mind and kicking those thoughts out of your mind, what you do, you respond to shame, you respond to guilt, and oftentimes you bring thoughts from your past, and I've oftentimes told you, when Satan reminds you of your past, you've got to remind him of his future, when his head will be smashed, and he'll be thrown out, and he will be defeated forever, never, ever, ever to wag his tail again. So this morning, I want to make sure that we take our thoughts captive, that we take our thoughts, we take our mind, and we're giving it fully to Jesus Christ this morning. And I want you to know that next time Satan comes and attacks your thoughts, I want you to remember that Jesus, please remember this, Jesus loves you so much. He's not ashamed of you. He's willing to show you off. In fact, he loves you so much that he's not just going to keep you as a spirit being floating around. He's actually going to raise you up in a bodily form. And who knows, maybe he's the one who will introduce you to everybody in heaven, being like, hey, Joel, that's Peter. You know how much you ripped him apart while you were preaching? Yeah, go say hi to him now. Because listen, Jesus is not going to be so busy to not hang out with you. He's not going to be like, hey, I know Joel just showed up, but man, I'm still catching up with Billy Graham because you know, Billy Graham like, was a big deal. Listen, he created you. He loves you. He longs to be with you so much, so much, that he died on the cross for you not just died on the cross, he was put in the grave and then he rose again and was the first fruits because he wants to raise you up. And he says, man, I'm just not going to be away from Coral and Jacob and his children, his family, just a spirit. No, no, come on up, guys. Come on, your family. Like, no, mm, throw your arms around me. You know, and then he's going to give us work to do, which is going to be fantastic, not like your boss. He's going to give you work to do that fits you so perfectly. Once again, you have purpose and meaning in your resurrection, in, in his presence. Let's keep moving on. Let's get to the how. How is this all going to happen? This is fantastic. But some will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? This is interesting because Paul, it seems like a very legitimate question. I'm sure a lot of you guys are like, man, so, how, so okay, Joe, all that's great. How is this going to happen? It's weird. My grandpa was cremated and his ashes were spread in seven different parts of the world. <laughs> What's going to happen? That's going to be crazy. But Paul, he's not thinking about a legitimate, a person who's asking a legitimate question. He's thinking about those who mocked him because the resurrection was something that people mocked. In fact, in the book of Acts, they laughed at him. They said, what does this fool have to say about the resurrection? And so Paul replies very harshly because he's imagining those that make um, a mockery out of the resurrection. He says, you foolish person. <laughs> Isn't that great? You idiot. Like seriously? Like you're laughing at the resurrection? What an idiot. But anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on that. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. I told you this earlier, unless a grain of wheat dies, it will never bear fruit. And then he says, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some of the grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. If you were to show me a seed, 
I would never be able to guess what plant it is or what plant it's going to be or if it's going to be a tree. And neither if I want to plant an oak tree, I'm not going to take an oak tree and plant it in my backyard. You know, it always, always, always starts with a seed. This body, the Bible tells me, is like a seed. This body is a seed. And when it goes to ground, God will raise it up in the way that it's supposed to be raised. You know, the outer shell has to die. It'll fall away. And then the kernel inside will begin to sprout and slowly grow. That's how a seed grows. That's how these bodies will be, the Bible tells me. And God will give it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. This metamorphosis that happens to the grain of wheat for it to grow into a crop, um, we've seen it in our, in our world in farming and it's a very similar thing the Bible says that will happen to us. It's a very similar thing. You see, folks, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42, so is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable what is raised is imperishable. I told you, having a good perspective on resurrection will give you meaning to your relationship with Jesus. It'll give you meaning to your freedom. And I want you to know it'll give you meaning to your suffering. Some of you I know, you've been crying a lot this week. You couldn't go to bed because life is very painful right now. It seems like there is no hope. And I'm so glad you crawled your way to church this morning. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're tuning in. I know some of you at home, you're not here because you just, if you come here, you will just probably fall on the floor and melt. You don't have the emotional capacity to get yourself out of bed. And I want you to know that when you're able to put your arms around the joy of resurrection and the love that God has for you to resurrect you, to forgive you, to cleanse you, and to resurrect you, it gives purpose and meaning even to your suffering. It says what is sown is perishable but what's raised is imperishable. The body is subject to decay, to physical aging, sickness, viruses, but the resurrected body, it's imperishable. This once again points to how much Jesus loves you and me. He says, I'm going to raise you up and you'll be with me forever. I will protect you from sickness, from death, from tears. He will wipe away every tear from your eye and then move on real quickly. It says in verse 43, it's sown in dishonor. Mm. It's sown in dishonor. Let's not get too quickly to the second part. It's sown in dishonor. Can I talk real quickly to those of you who've been abused? Dishonored in your body, dishonored in your mind, dishonored sexually, dishonored with, with words that were used over you that tore you down all your life. In fact, you sit over here and you feel incapable to read your family, incapable to dream of dreams that you know you want to dream because dishonor, dishonor, treated with disrespect and you're finding some way and you come to church and sometimes even church feels so disconnected because you're like, man, God seems so good and so righteous and so holy. Why would he want to be with someone like me? And I want you to know he loves you so much that what's sown in dishonor, check this out, he will raise in glory. He will raise in glory. He will raise you in glory, my friend. He will raise you in glory. You will go down and I pray by the mercy of God this morning you'll find freedom from that. But even if you have to carry that for the rest of your life, you will go down with all that abuse that you had to carry for how many years you have to live. But watch this. And God's word is true. He will raise you up in glory. <laughs> oh man, I'm telling you, doesn't it change our perspective in the way we look at life now? To know that this is just a short time. This is, if you have to for a short time suffer, so be it. It doesn't compare to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. And then he says... 
what's sown in weakness. Oh, my dear brother and sister, you go back home every week and you want to run away from the shackles of temptation. You want to run away from the draw of sin and it's, you're sowing into the kingdom of God, but you feel weak and you're struggling and you're like, what do I do? And you know what? Paul experienced this too. But see what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. He says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weakness. Is there anybody weak over you who would say, you know what? I am content with my weakness. So be it. Why, Paul? I'm content with my weakness, with insults, with hardships, with persecutions, with lawsuits, with slander, with people backbiting and talking and trying to tear pastors down, trying to tear Christians down, bringing up your past. I am content with weakness and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because Christ is enough. When I'm weak, I'm strong. So take your best shot at me, Satan. Bring it. Every time you kick me down, I'm weak. I will lie there shivering in pain saying, my resurrection is coming, baby. I'm sowing in weakness, but I will be raised in power. And then we'll see who's boss because my Savior lives. Oh man, I long to experience this power in its fullest extent. And one day I know I will. So this week when you go back home, I want you to know that even in your weakness, you're still a victor. Even in your weakness, you're still a conqueror. Even in your weakness, you're still loved. Even in your weakness, you need to remember that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Verse 44, it's sown to a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. If you feel like you have a natural body, guess what? There is a spiritual body. And in fact, he's going to illustrate this really, really, really well using Adam, who was... The physical man, God breathed life into him, but dude sinned and he faced death. And here comes along the second Adam. And the second Adam did not bring death, but he brought life. Hallelujah. And he was a first fruit who was raised again. See, folks, having a right perspective on your resurrection not only brings meaning to your relationship with Jesus, not only brings meaning to your freedom in Jesus, not only brings meaning to your suffering in this life, but it also brings meaning to your salvation. If you have ever felt like, man, I don't see a need to be saved, it's because you don't understand that the resurrection is a fact, that only in the resurrection there's hope, and because there's hope in our resurrection, we need to change our perspective in this life by looking ahead to our resurrection. Only then will you find meaning in your salvation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven, who is Jesus Christ. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service time and address. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store.